for your presence. Lord, we just thank you today that you have been with us, and we, we just welcome you to speak to us right now. Holy Spirit, come and minister the Word to us. Lord, we choose to believe that this is the Word of God. This is not just any book that we're reading. Lord, this is, this is the very words that you have you've inspired to be written down. And so we thank you for your goodness to bring truth to light. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you weren't here last week, uh, you missed an incredible message by my wife. Um, talking about healing the orphan spirit. And so uh, I encourage you, uh, you can listen to that online. You can go to our website, lwfcmidland.org. Uh, you can find it off of our Facebook page, a search for Living Way Foursquare Church, and there's a link on there. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to, to get that because there's so much in there. And I know there's a lot of things too. It wasn't just a teaching. It was a time where, man, we were up here at the front and the Holy Spirit was doing things in hearts. And we heard several testimonies of, of God continuing to work beyond the morning. Because that's what we want. We don't want God to just have a, you know, a little two-hour section of our week. Um, that's, that's not the goal of, of church. Is not, okay, God, you've got two hours, and then the rest of the week, whatever. But we want, we want that to be a springboard where the Holy Spirit is interacting with you and doing things in your life and speaking into your life to where uh, you're being freed through the week by the truth that sets you free. And so that's, that's our desire. But uh, if you weren't here, she talked about you know, the idea of being adopted into God's family, that if you trust in Jesus, if you become a believer in Jesus, if you are saved, whatever term you want to use, if you've given your heart to the Lord and confess that Jesus is your Lord, and your Savior, uh, then it says, you know, you've been adopted into God's family. And she talked about the different ways of adoption, that, that the adoption when they were writing that book was way different than adoption now. And it makes a big difference. Adoption now is awesome. Let's just say that right now. Adoption is awesome. And so, um, but back then it was even better. <laughs> Let me just, I'm going to read these things. I took notes too. I do take notes when my wife preaches. Um, take a full set of notes. Um, and this is the thing she said. Um, in the Roman adoption times, uh, when someone was, and they would generally adopt adults. It was not a, a child. It was a, it was a, the idea was to carry on the family, was to, to be a representative and, and do what the family was, was needing to be doing in the community in the city, and it says when you were adopted, you became just like the one adopting them. Think about that right now. If God has adopted us, and He's using that language in the Roman culture at that time, He's saying, hey, you're adopted now as sons and daughters. You're going to be like me. I'm not saying we're becoming gods, just to clear that up. I don't think anybody thinks that, but just to clear that up. No, we're becoming like Jesus. We're becoming like a son, a, a son or daughter of the king. And so um, the second thing was we're already heirs upon birth. You don't, you don't wait for someone to die to receive the inheritance. You receive it at birth. So what does the, the scripture say? When, we're, we're, when we become believers in Jesus, we're born again. So there's a new birth. And so that's when the, you receive the inheritance is at the new birth. And so, birth, not death, constitutes heirship. Um, the families knew what they were getting. In other words, they chose someone. 
God knew what he was getting when he picked you. He wanted, he said, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. He knew what he was getting. Um, and he says that to the whole world and says Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And so there's a, you know, those things are so awesome. But I was thinking about the idea of, of inheritance and she really went way better into that. I'm just, I'm just reading off my notes there. Uh, but the idea of, of our inheritance. And so I want us to open to Romans 8. We're just going to continue on in the cha- Romans chapter 8. Um, last week we were in Romans 8, 15 through 17. And we're just going to start reading in verse 18. So please turn to Romans chapter 8. And we'll read together the rest. And what we're going to look at here is, is if, if, I'm a, if you've given your heart to Jesus, and if you haven't, please talk to some of us afterwards. Please grab me or John or Mr. Ronnie in the back here or Mr. Greg over here or somebody that looks like they know what they're doing around here and say, um, I, I, need a, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Don't leave here without doing that. So Romans 8, in verse 18, we're going to start there. We're going to, read, we're going to read quite a bit here, and we're just going to highlight a few things. So it says, I consider... Let's just read last week. So let's start in 15 here. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Notice it says we are, not we will be. It says we are. We are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. So there's a, there's a promise for right now. It's not one of those promises you put on your wall normally, right? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. In other words, our whole entire world was affected with the fall. There's, there's been something that's been, you know our, our, you know, our ecology even changed. So when people talk about global warming, I'm not here to fight whether it is or not, but hey, you know what? Our world got messed up in the fall. There were things that were messed up. And so God says there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth. So it's not hard for me to believe. It says this earth's going to burn up with fire, so maybe we're just seeing the effects of that. I'm not trying to make a political or a scientific statement. I'm just saying our world is messed up. And so even creation is, it says, is is being affected by this. And it also says creation is longing for the children of God to be revealed. In other words, it's longing to see, hey, who's, who's the sons and daughters of the king? I want to see that. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Ladies, you know what that is. Right up to this present time. Some of you do. It's, that's, that's some groaning right there. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Let me break this one down real quick. There's some things in our inheritance that we have not received yet. You know, the redemption of our bodies. Anybody still feel weakness in their bodies? This thing holds me back sometimes. You know, my brain holds me back. That's part of my body, right? Anybody's brain holding them back sometimes? You're thinking things and you're thinking, why am I thinking that stuff? And it's just, hey, there's some, there's some redeeming that needs to go on in my physical body. That includes my brain, that includes my thoughts, that includes everything related to who I am. And so there is a longing for me like, oh God, you know, I've still got this flesh, I've still got this, this weakness. But it says this in verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the, of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Let's just stop right there and we're going to break that down real quick. One of our, this is one of our inheritances. Part of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit. This is a, he is a great part of the inheritance of God. Because it also says in 1 Corinthians 2 that the Spirit makes known to us all the things that, that have been given to us. And so we need somebody to guide us through the inheritance of God. We need someone to be with us to unlock what God has done in our lives. It's a lifelong process. You know, as you continue to know Jesus, as you continue to walk with Him, as you continue to grow in Him, it's supposed to get better because you're getting to know Him better. If it's getting worse, then there's something wrong. I've disconnected myself. It says, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send the Helper. I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send the one that's going to come alongside you and lead you into all truth. So... Part of our inheritance, it says in Ephesians and Corinthians that the Holy Spirit is a deposit or a, or a down payment of our inheritance. So this is part of our inheritance, is the Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now here's the deal. We can choose to focus on one or the other. I can choose to focus on my weakness, or I can choose to focus on the one who's going to give me strength. There's a big difference. You know, we can, we can focus in on all the things that I'm not. All my weaknesses, all my fears, all my doubts. I'm not saying we pretend they're not there, but I don't want to focus. I don't want to live there. I don't want to dwell there. I don't want to let that permeate my, my, my emotions and my, and my thoughts. Because I want to per- focus on the part of the verse that said, The Spirit helps me. Amen. The Spirit Helps me. That's part of my inheritance. I can depend on the Holy Spirit because I'm a child of the King. He says, hey, I'm, I'm not just going to let you figure it out on your own. I'm not just going to say, here's the inheritance. I ho- Good luck. You know, I hope you, I hope you get it. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit, it says we don't know what we ought to pray for. 
Lord, what do I do? What do I, what do, I do? But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And it says that the Spirit prays or intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You want to pray a perfect prayer, you pray in the Holy Spirit. Because you always know that you're praying the will of God. Now, I believe this, this verse certainly does apply to praying in prayer language, tongues. Uh, if you've ever heard of that, if you've never heard of that, uh, we will talk to you afterwards. We can inform you about that. But I think, it, I think it's more than that also. It's literally talking about groanings. There's times when you're praying. There's times when you're praying when no words come out. And there's times when, there's times when it's doubt and there's times when it's the Holy Spirit. There's sometimes you don't know where to pray where you're just so broken and you're, you're, not, you're not praying in doubt. You're just groaning and moaning in pain. You're focusing on the weakness at that point. But there's a time where God gives you His heart is, what I, uh, is the way I think of it. It's just you get God's heart for the situation because God's heart is, is always broken for every single pain, every single sickness, every single injustice, every single wrong thing on earth, he is, he's grieved by that. He's going, no! Oh! And so when we don't know how to pray, it says the Spirit can intercede through us. The, the Holy Spirit can pray through us. And that's one of the ways He helps us in our weakness because there's only so much I can do. There's only so much I can, I can say. There's, God, I, I'm not enough. And He's like, I know. I gave you the Spirit to let you. He's part of the inheritance. He's He's the, he's the down payment. He's the one that leads you into all that. Without Him, you don't have anything. You're not going to go into anything. You've got to depend upon Him. You have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help you. Draw strength from Him. Don't focus on your weakness. Hey, we're all weak. We all have flesh. We all have failures. We all have things when we mess up on. And, you know, I can sit here and... And look at all that and go, golly, oh man, I can beat myself up. You know, at the start of Romans 8, chapter 1, it says, that, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, when I beat myself up, what am I doing? I'm just condemning myself. I'm trying to, you know, pay for what I've done wrong. Jesus already paid for what you did wrong. It's so awesome that he did. You know, it's like, hey, God, is there enough for this? He's like, yeah, I paid it all. I paid, I paid for every single wrong that would ever be done. I paid for every single sin. I mean, that's why Jesus says, hey, we, you get to forgive too. I already paid for that person wronging you. <laughs> You're like, you don't have to make them pay. I paid. I mean, I didn't say that was easy. I just said, it's true. <laughs> it's already been paid for. You don't have to make them pay. Jesus already paid. And I don't have to make myself pay. I don't have to pay the price. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's part of my inheritance is that he says, Hey, look, you're now, you're now in my family and you're just like me. You're a new creation. You're not a sinner anymore. If you're a Christian, you're not a sinner. The Scripture teaches that we're not sinners anymore. <laughs> now, you're still aware of your weakness, 
And there's still wrong things you do, and you may still sin, but that's not your nature. That's not who you are. That's not your identity any longer. You're, you're, that's not who you are. And so don't, don't confess over yourself over and over, oh, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. That's focusing on the weakness. No, you're a new creation. You're a son or daughter of the king. I have to focus on my identity. The Holy Spirit's not going to be over and over saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. No, he's going to be saying, Jesus paid. Jesus paid. Jesus paid. That's the truth. He's leading us into truth. And so I, I want to I use the help that God has given me. And so it says, let's go on in verse 28. It says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And that verse has been uh, used in, in lots of great ways. And keep using it. You know, some people say, oh, that verse has been overused. No, I don't think it's been overused. I think we should keep using it. <laughs> God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Now, it doesn't say God works for the good of everybody. It says God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. But I can believe, if I, am call- if I love God, who loves God, okay? You love God. And you've been called, you've been called according to His purpose, not your purpose, His purpose. And so you can believe, hey, all things, God is working all things for good. Sometimes it looks impossible. I mean, seriously, there's some things I'm going, God, how can you bring some, how can you work good out of this? I don't know, but He says He can do it. He says he's going to do it. He's working for good. For those, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he, uh, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So here's the second part of our inheritance. The second part of our inheritance is we get to look like Jesus. Now, it's not magical. It says we get to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so when you're conforming something, you are making it become a certain shape. If I'm going to conform something, if I'm going to conform, you know... I don't know what I don't use that word conform enough. If I'm going to take a piece of clay and I'm going to form it into something, I'm gonna, I, I could never I could form a rock. Okay, that's all I can do. But some of you can conform it to all kinds of amazing things with clay and turn it into this masterpiece. And so God says, "Hey, this is this is part of our inheritance. Is that God promises to keep working on you? Because here's the deal." If you're going to be in the family of God, you have to look like the family. You have to look like Him. Because God's plan is to get more family members. And if you don't look like Jesus, nobody wants to join the family. You know, have you ever been around a family and you're like, Thank you, Lord, that I was not born into that group of people. I mean, maybe... (laughs) 
I really haven't thought that that often, but there's probably a couple times in my life where I'm like, thank you, Lord, I wasn't born into that family, you know? <laughs> Some of you have asked, why, Lord, have, was I born into this family? Okay, that's a, different, that's a different message, and I can't answer that, you know. But here's the deal. When you see an amazing family, you're like, man, I, you might have a thought, man, why couldn't I have been born in that family? And that's not a good thing to wish you're born in another family unless it's a spiritual family. And here's the deal. When Jesus was on earth, everybody wanted to be around him. Everybody wanted something, a part of who he was. Now look, he was telling people, you need a change. He said some hard stuff. He's saying, you can't, you can't stay the way you are. He, he was loving but everyone was drawn to him. It says all the worst people were drawn to him, even though he was, you know, like, hey, you have to change. You can't, you can't remain the same. And so there was, there was this draw. And so, so God, in his plan, he says, hey, I, I want more sons and daughters. I want, I want more ones that look like Jesus because they're going to draw others to me. And so in order for that to happen, you can't look the same way you looked. <laughs> You can't act the same way you acted. You can't talk the same way you talked. Because you need to be conformed to the image of a son of the king. It says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Because when you, when you begin to look like Jesus... It's attractive. It draws people to Him. I think that sometimes in the church in America, we've kind of gotten a little bit off track on that, huh? <laughs> Me included. Now, it doesn't mean we compromise truth, because Jesus never compromised truth. You look through all the interactions with Jesus, He never once said, oh, that's okay, we're just going to not worry about that. No big deal. I mean, even you think of like the woman caught in adultery. There's a story where these people, again, what kind of religious nuts are catching people in the act of adultery? I don't know what your, what your problem is, but so they catch a woman in the act of adultery, and so they're bringing her to Jesus, and they throw her down and say, they're wanting to trap Jesus, and said, hey, Jesus, the law says we should stone this woman, and Jesus doesn't even say anything. He just starts writing on the ground. And then he just says one thing. Let he who is without sin throw the first stone. And it says from the oldest to the youngest, they all leave. And then he says, woman, where, where are your accusers? They're, they're not here. And then he says, I don't condemn you either. But then what does he say? Hey, all that was all right. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> no, Jesus didn't say that. He said, no, now go and sin no more. Stop doing that. You have to stop. Yet there was love there. So it is possible for us to tell someone to stop and be loved there. You just have to make sure it starts with love. I want it to be love that, that, that draws somebody. I want it to be love. I want it to be love for people that, that draws me to even correct someone. You know what I'm saying? If love is the source, then it comes out right. If I'm just trying to make people be what I want to be, and I'm just in a bad mood, and I speak truth... There's no love in that, and that's why 
oh, it's like, what is that? I don't want that. But the truth with love is so powerful because you have the love there and they know, oh, you, you have my best interest in mind. And so sometimes you have to get a lot of love in there and then bring the truth in. And so Jesus was, was a master like that, but he says, I want so many more. I want my sons and daughters of the king to, to have, have this. I want them to look like, look like my son. They need to be a part of my family. We look a certain way in the family of God. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So whenever you think God's holding out on you, you just have to remember, hey, if he gave you his son, if God the Father gave you this son, how will he graciously not give you what you need? Why would he do that? It, may, it makes no sense for him to give the ultimate sacrifice and then say, yeah, that was it. No, because he's done that, we can know that God says, hey, how will he not also, along with him, give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Man, a part of our inheritance, man, is we've got, we have no charges against us. The, the bill is the, the, the written uh, charge against us has been, has been broken. You know, all the junk people could point to us and say, you did this, you did this, you did this. And Jesus says, that's canceled. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised alive, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So we've got the Holy Spirit interceding for us and Jesus interceding for you. So if you think, if you begin to think, man, my life is not going well and you're a son or daughter of the king, you just have to just think about the fact that Jesus is interceding for you and the Holy Spirit is interceding for you in accordance with God's will. Kind of list the, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking about that? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things. What are all those things? Uh, We've got to go back here. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword. So in other words, it didn't say we wouldn't have those things. It says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So interesting that Lisa picked that song we hadn't sung in a long, long time today, huh? Pretty cool that God was, was having us say that before we read it. Hey, there's, you know, part of our inheritance is love that doesn't go away. That's so huge. 
every other love on this earth might go away. There's a possibility. I mean, we pray it doesn't happen in our families, and our marriages, and this or that, but look around. Man, I've got, I've got friends who I thought, oh man, that would never happen, and they're divorced, and they're, there's just a mess there, and you're going, what happened? Oh. And there's no condemnation. It's not like I'm saying, oh, well, how could you do that? It's just, what happened? You know, love, love on earth with humans might not last. There's no guarantee. There's only one guaranteed love. And that's the love of the Father through Jesus Christ. That's part of our inheritance, though, is that love is always there, that I don't have to be separated from that love. And it's interesting, it says that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In other words, part of our victory is is through the one who loved us. It doesn't say through him who rose victoriously. It doesn't say through him who conquered the grave. And all those things are true. It says, no, we're conquerors through the love, through the one who loved us. You know, we don't understand the word conqueror. Back then, they understood the word conqueror. Like, you know, today I think about conquering. And, you know, in the United States, we have never been conquered. Thank you, Lord. But we've never had, you know, an army come in and take us over. I mean, that's what it means to be conquered, is someone else comes in, takes over, and you have, you have no rights. They're in power now. What they say uh, goes. You lose freedom. You lose all kinds of stuff. They tell you what to do. You know, other, there's other nations around our earth. They know what it is to be conquered. You know, when we go, to, we go to Poland and we do our mission trips in Poland and we go through the historical places, we're going through Schindler's Museum and when, when Germany came in and conquered them and you got Russia coming in and, and conquering them, that people knows what it's like to be conquered. They know what it's like to have, be underneath someone's feet. They know what it's like to where they can't get what they want, where, where food is rationed, where they're, they're told they can't move here, they can't move there. You know, you can't work here, you can't make this much money, you can't do this, you can't have this many kids or this and that. I mean, that's what happens when a conquering nation comes in. There's no choice. They're in charge. You know, and so... When, it said, when Paul says here, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than that. I mean, back then, it was the Roman Empire. I mean, Paul is writing to who? The Romans, the church at Rome. So they knew that there's the conquerors. There's, there's the, Rome was the conquerors of their day. They were in charge. They took over other nations. They knew what it was. And so... They're saying, hey, we're writing to you in Rome, and you think you're in charge, but get this. Your inheritance in Jesus, in the family of God, you're more than that. You're more than a conqueror. The victory you've seen on earth, your victory is even greater spiritually. Man, if we could get a hold of that, that I am more than a conqueror. I mean, some of us are just saying, I just want to be a conqueror. <laughs> I just want to be a winner. No, hey, God says, hey, look, the promise is this. Through Him who loves us, you're more than that. You don't just barely get by. You don't just, you don't just get the victory. You get an overwhelming victory. 
Some of the translations say that. They say, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus. And so this this is a promise of God. This is a, a part of our inheritance. If I'm a son or daughter of the king, this is mine. And it's not the future. It's not like someday it's going to happen. No, it's now. I can live as more than a conqueror now. I don't have to let whatever it is in my life that's trying to dominate me, whether that's fear, whether that's, that's uh, negative thoughts, whether that's depression, whether that's sickness, I don't let ha- need to have that dominate me because I am more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. In all these things... Hey, we're going to face these things. I'm going to face trouble. I'm going to face hardship. I might face persecution. We might go through a time of need, a famine. We might go through a time of need for, for our essentials, nakedness. We might be in danger. There might be people that are attacking us. There might be spiritual attacks that come in me. But I believe it. No, I'm more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus who loves me. Take hold of the victory that He took hold of for you. Man, there's some of us that we live so much, we, we live without even accessing the inheritance that God has given to us. He's saying, all this is yours. All this is yours. Because I'm ad- I've adopted you into the family. You're mine now. You belong to me. All the, all the inheritance, you know, it's, it's yours now. You've received it. You don't have to wait for me to die, although Jesus did die. <laughs> and came back to life. If we need that, hey, he did that. The inheritance is here. So whatever the way, is, it's, it's available to us. We have access to it. And we have to live, and we're supposed to live with the power of that inheritance so that other people say, what do you have? I mean, when someone on earth, in an earthly inheritance, you know, rich parents or something, and they die, and they get a lot of money, you know what's immediately going to happen to that, to that son? They're going to get a lot of phone calls. <laughs> I mean, you hear about the person that won the big, I think the big Powerball got won this week or something. I mean, I don't really pay too much attention, but it's on, you know, you... A, a lot of money. Whoa! What happens when that person got the inheritance? They were friends they hadn't heard from in years. Hey, how you doing, you know? <laughs> I saw you on TV. I bet you did. <laughs> Just, you know, I, man, I've really been thinking about you lately. Before, before TV? No, I, I, no, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about you. You know, because, you know, when someone has an inheritance, you know, people, people want some of that. Here's the great thing about the inheritance of God is we get to share it. It's not for us to hoard it and say, no, no, no. We want people to come calling. That person who won the lottery, they're, they're changing their phone number and their address and everything because people are tracking them down, and that's fine. But here's the thing. I want people to know my spiritual address. I want them to have my spiritual phone number. I want them to say, what do you have? I want some of that. I want some of that. And you can say, it's free. Jesus paid for it. It's free. It's an awesome inheritance. You don't have to do anything for it except receive it. That's worth sharing. That's worth giving away. So let's, let's stand. I want to pray over us and, and close.
Lord, we just, we just thank you for speaking to us truth from your word today. And we, we ask you, Lord, that we would remember the gift that you've given us. The gift of the Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. Help us use Him. Help us access His strength in our weakness. We can be strong. Lord, when we don't know how to pray, we get help from Your Holy Spirit to pray in the Spirit. God, to pray for what You want to pray for. Teach us to do that, Lord. That's what Your family members do. That's what the sons and daughters do. Make us look more like Your Son. Father, I just pray for anyone who's struggling right now. If this is you, just kind of put your hand on your heart. If you're, you're struggling to, to be a conqueror, you feel like you're being conquered instead of being a conqueror. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak truth over these lives. These sons and daughters of the kings, Lord, we declare that what you say is true. They're more than a conqueror, God. We declare that the victory has already been won. The victory belongs to you, and it's through your love. It's because you loved us, Lord. It's it's no other reason, Lord. There's nothing that can separate us from that love, Lord. A hardship, uh, Lord, a, a challenge, a trial, a lack of any kind, Lord. It cannot separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons... It doesn't matter if there's a demon attacking us. It doesn't matter if Satan himself is showing up. We are more than conquerors through you who have loved us, Lord. And no one can separate us from your love. And so I declare victory, Lord. I declare peace, Lord. We declare, Lord... uh, uh, strategy, Lord, as that we will have divine strategy to walk forward in your victory, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have given it to us as our inheritance. We can receive. We don't need to pray and ask for it. We can say, God, how do I walk in it? How do I, how do I, how do I walk in what you've already given me? And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the breakthrough that will be seen in lives, Lord, as they receive and believe in you, God. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go. If you need prayer, um, if you have any questions, please come see one of us and we'll love.